I want you to be looking in Scripture. We have them there in front of you. The book of Revelation. We began this uh, year of the Bible, of course, in Genesis. We've walked all the way through. We're not quite to Revelation. We're in Romans now. Uh, this morning, Psalm 134. So we continue to read through the Scriptures daily as a church family. And here we find ourselves in Revelation. We're going to walk through the book of Revelation until we get to Advent, to Christmas, uh, the first part of of December. So what a great time of the year. It's finally getting cooler. How can we worship him? How can we praise him forevermore, as Stephen has proclaimed, even through the storms of life? One of the, um, one of the, the, the repeated storylines that we see in literature and music and film is the epic tale of the damsel in distress. Now, this is a French term, but it goes all the way back to Greek mythology, probably before that, probably the beginning of time in essence. Uh, you might think of epic tales of knights and dragons and castles and princesses. We think of Rapunzel or Cinderella, Snow White, or maybe more recently Princess Leia of Star Wars, Fiona from Shrek. Uh, we've got, how about Princess Buttercup from The Princess Bride, if you've ever seen that classic movie. Um, we think of, you know, the, the, the princess is always this beautiful, often young maiden, right, who finds herself in a tower. She's uh, pr imprisoned somehow, and she's waiting for her knight in shining armor to come and rescue her. Now, more recently, the, the Disney princesses, uh, like Belle and Beauty and the Beast, she was, she was one. Uh, Moana, Elsa, Mulan, understand there's Frozen 2 coming out, so be careful, watch for that. Um, all of these are strong young women who hardly need some crazy man to come and rescue her. And yet this week, I continue to see this story played out in real life. One of our own princesses, a member of our church, Carolyn Cardinal, uh, a widow in our church, was in her home when the tornado struck. Uh, she barely made it out alive, and like perhaps hundreds of our members, the Lord spared our lives. It's amazing, having been to the devastated region, uh, many of you have seen or driven through, you've seen it on the news. We were there yesterday on Friday, we were there on Thursday at Carolyn's house, a group from our staff were able to just get away wanting to serve and help, and we've been seeking to do that all week long. But what do you do? What do you do when all of your life before you goes up and disappears? All that you have held on to or all that you've hoped for. Carolyn was a damsel in distress. She was not in despair. Her faith in Christ, her non-anxious presence and commitment to him, the hope that she has in him inspired all of us. And we've seen that story played out over and over throughout our congregation, throughout believers in our city, and folks are seeing this from really around the world. I want, to, I want you to be aware uh, that the uh, church, Primera Iglesia Bautista Mexicana, which is a partner church of ours, a longtime church here in Dallas, uh, they lost everything. You may have seen Pastor Brambilia, Ricardo Brambilia on the news, Channel 8 earlier in the week. Uh, featured on Channel 5 as well, maybe on a news feed. You saw this, another church uh, there, Northway Church, another Baptist church that 
his uh, sister church of ours. We were at um, Primaria Iglesia Bautista on Friday and yesterday for much of the day, about 50 of our people probably there in and out throughout the day. I was able to to pray with Ricardo and, and talk with him. Our staff and lay leaders have been working through the week to see how we can respond. And so I want you to know, I'm, I'm going to pause for a moment, that we would actually be the church that we've sought to be and want to be. We've talked about this throughout a month, that the church is not a gathering of people. It's that. But it is a scattering, an army of people, dispelling darkness, worshiping the Lord through all that we do. This week, I've seen it in action. So way to go, church. I'm grateful for you. Most of this has happened through our connect groups where we've seen people go and serve others who've lost their homes. But I want you to know that everyone can have a part. We're collecting supplies. Perhaps you already know that. For school supplies, for several schools that have been devastated, wiped out completely. We're talking with these schools and groups that may want to use our facilities. In fact, we are going to welcome Primera Iglesia Baptista, their church completely gone. We're going to welcome them next week as they come to worship with us. Ricardo said, we need to have a funeral. And this morning, they're worshiping even now on that plot of land, saying goodbye to a place where many were married, baptized. But they know that the church is not a building. It's a people. So they're going to be joining us next week in our Espanol service. And then to follow, they're going to be weeks to follow on into the new year. They're going to be meeting in our chapel during this time. We'll be using some space up uh, above our sanctuary there in the back there for um, their Sunday school space. And, and we're thrilled that we're able to do this. We've been working with DBA and Texas Baptist. And of course, Texas men, Texas Baptist men are always on the move and we're there quickly to help. And uh, as Lisa Chamnus noted, uh, it's because of your generosity. So we all have a part, but we're collecting school supplies today uh, over in the, on the west side of the campus and in the commons, and you can bring uh, supplies throughout the week. You can bring them there or to our missions office. You can also bring them tonight as we uh, have lots of fun this afternoon, four to six at the Fall Fest. So I hope that you'll be aware. We can all pray. And so we're eager to welcome these who've been devastated, and we're gonna do so next week. We just wanted you to know that. What do you do? What do you do when the storms of life come? I don't know if you like me. Have you thought about it this week? What if you're home? What if all that you had, you owned, everything that you had was gone in a moment? How would you respond? The question is, where do you put your hope? Where do you ultimately place your trust? And this is what the book of Revelation is all about. What do you do when you find yourself trapped in your own tower of anxiety and worry, concern about the future, Maybe some of us are trapped, all of us in varying degrees are trapped in a a tower, maybe prisoners of our own making, of our own doing. Because we live in a world that has fallen and all of us are impacted by the sin that so easily entangles us. The book of Revelation tells us how. Now immediately, when you think of the book of Revelation, and if you don't know much about it, I think a lot of us immediately, we, we, we enter into kind of fairy tale images of, of, of a king and a kingdom and a dragon and beast and the four horsemen and, and a scroll that has seven seals. There's all of these images, and the church is really defined or, or described as a damsel in distress. 
imprisoned, if you will, uh, under oppression and even persecution at the time that this was written to real people in a real place with real problems bringing real encouragement. And as we see a growing kind of opposition in our day, the people under Domitian, the, 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 the emperor, they were experiencing severe persecution. This book was written to be read out loud. We'll read some of it out loud today. It was a circulating letter, a circular letter even, like a, like a mail carrier would, would take a, a circle of cities as their name, the seven churches are named, and, and, and it is uh, apocalyptic literature. But what's uh, miraculous about apocalyptic literature is that it, it applies to those first hearers, but it also applies to every era of church history, and it applies to us today. It's encouraging for us today. G.K. Chesterton, the British writer, philosopher, he said this, fairy tales do not tell children that dragons exist. Children already know that dragons exist. Fairy tales tell children that dragons can be killed, that we can overcome, that there is victory when we rest in the King, the one who has come to save us. So Revelation gives us hope in the midst of storms, and my hope today is that you will be encouraged. That's the hope of this text. So Revelation chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11, and then we're going to take a run through this uh, trip through the, the seven churches that represent churches throughout all of history again and represent a challenge for us today. Revelation is like a letter smuggled into the tower. It's like it comes from the king and it comes directly from the king, as we'll see, to the knight, to, to a farmer, to, to someone on the inside and, and, and it comes to somebody on the grounds and we receive this letter from the king himself bringing encouragement to us. Now, it's in code. Perhaps you know that. In case it's intercepted, the contents will not be revealed except to those who understand, to those who know the king. And so I want us to start with verse 1 as we begin this, this walk through portions of the book of Revelation. First chapter, verse 1, the revelation. Notice it's revelation, not revelations. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. That word revelation, you might know, is the word in the Greek, it's apocalypsis. It's where we get that word apocalyptic. It's, it means unveiling and a, a, a revealing, a disclosure of things unseen or hidden previously. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Now look at this. There's much commentators write about this, but here's, here's where, it, where it lands. Jesus is the revealer. And he is the one revealed. It's from him, don't miss that, and it's to him. If you have a red letter edition of the scriptures, you'll see red letters throughout, and we'll see it today. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants, bond servants, doulos, slaves, the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. This is the apostle John who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. So John is going to reveal to us what Christ has revealed to him. Blessed is the one. Now look at this. It starts with a promise. Watch this. This is noteworthy. Blessed is the, is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. I challenge you today, this week, this month, 
read the entire book aloud. Read the book aloud. Why? You'll be blessed for it. Watch this. Read the words aloud this, of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. It's another way of saying the time is just about up. So watch this. We could apply this to all of Scripture. Read it. Hear it. Obey it. Hearing it brings understanding. Obeying it brings transformation. And so what we want to do is read the Scriptures, as we always do, apply the Scriptures, and certainly this is true with the book of Revelation. Now here's what I want us to see as we walk through this. I want to ask the question. I want you to do this personally, always seeking to, seeking to apply. So every one of us here, how can I, even in distress, sorrow, pain, and loss, how can I continue to hold fast, a term that's repeated over and over again, how can I hold fast, cling to, not let go of the truth that God has me, in the palm of his hand. He has a purpose for you, friend, even in the storm. He's going to tell us to hold fast to the king, hold fast to the kingdom, and hold fast to hope. First, hold fast to the king. Look at verses 4 through 6. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia. Now, this is Asia Minor, which would be modern-day Turkey. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. It's a phrase that's repeated over and over again. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. The seven spirits, I believe, is the Holy Spirit. Seven is that complete number uh, in Scripture. And we see it over and over again in this book. Seven churches, seven spirits. It's the Spirit of God himself, a revelation to the churches to hold fast to the king. Now, how do we do this? First, remember who he is. See, our view of God, again, determines our response to God. Remember who he is. The king has given us all that we need to make it, even when we're imprisoned in, 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 by fear and doubt, uncertainty, even our own conformity, as we're going to see, that challenges us. So remember who he is. Who is he? Look at this. He is the giver of all we need. Look at what he says here in verse 4. Grace, peace, and his spirit are given to us. So listen, even in our waiting, friend, whatever you're walking through, remember this today. His grace is, is the entire gospel wrapped up in a word. His grace is this. He came and, and he, he visited our planet. If you want to know, does God exist? Jesus shows up and he says, here I am in human form. And he lived the perfect life on our behalf because he knew we could not. He took your sin, my sin, on the cross and he died a death that was the punishment for our sin. He was our substitute. He died so that we would not have to die. Those who would receive his grace by faith, he's punished, he's, he's, he's killed, he's buried, and he's raised again. The victorious king. The gospel means... This grace means that he is with us. He's already done all that is necessary for us to have hope in the present and in the future. Look at this peace that's come. We have peace because of this grace. If we've received his grace, we can live in peace. We can rest in him, even in the midst of great loss, even in the midst of the storm. 
not only that, as we await our king to rescue us in this tower of despair often, or at least in distress, he gives us his spirit. See, he goes further. He gives us the presence of his spirit to guide us, to comfort us, and to lead us, and to remind us of who he is. But you've got to come to him if you're going to experience this peace. The Spirit comes to those who've received Christ by faith, not by works, praise God, but by our faith in him. Look at what it says in verse 5. And for Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. Literally, this is, he is a faithful martyr is the word witness. That's what a martyr is. That's what a witness is. One who has died to themselves and sometimes, yes, even dies a physical death proclaiming Christ as Lord. It's happening around the globe, even this week. So look at this. He is persevering. He's the faithful one. He's been faithful throughout his life. He was faithful throughout suffering. He persevered, and his life now becomes our life. We know that our king is persevering, and he is victorious. For in whatever you're walking through in this life, he lived the perfect life. He's conquered sin, even the sins that so easily entangle us. He's overcome so that by his power in us, we can overcome sin as well. We can live different lives. 1 Corinthians 15, 26, it says this, for he is destined to reign until God has put all enemies under his feet and the last enemy to be abolished is death. So friends, he was faithful even unto death. He is victorious even in death. He's called the firstborn among the dead. So we now are a victorious procession of those who follow him, the firstborn among the dead who was raised again and we too follow him in victory. Friend, if you're in Christ, you will never die. So whatever comes our way, we know that he's persevering, he's victorious, and he is the ruler. That's what it says at the end. He is sovereign over us there in verse 5, that phrase in the first part of verse 5. He is in control, and we are not. Have you figured that out yet? Many who've lost everything this week have a stark reminder we're not in control, and we need someone to come and rescue us. We need to remember who he is, but we need to remember what he's done. Already this, this morning, you've been reminded, maybe some of you for the first time, even now as I speak, you're getting greater clarity on who the king is, but listen to what he's done. Remember what he's done. Look at this. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We sang about it earlier. We come together. We proclaim it because it's easy to forget throughout the week. We come together this morning and we're reminded. Remember what he's done. Look at what he's done. He's loved us. He's proven his love for us. And friends, I want, I want to say this. If you're walking through the most difficult, challenging time of your life, or how about this? If you're not, someday you will. But if Jesus Christ does nothing for you for the rest of your life, and if today your life just starts this southbound cycle that gets worse and worse until the day you die, he's already done enough 
for you to worship him with all of your life, to worship him forevermore and throughout all of eternity because of his death on the cross, his resurrection, and all that he has already accomplished for you. He's already done enough. Remember what he's done. He loves us. Look at this. He has freed us because of his sacrifice. We are set free. And he's made us into a kingdom of priests. We'll talk about that in a moment. What does that mean? What does that look like? Remember who he is. Remember what he's done. And remember, strange phrase, what he's going to do. How do we remember what he's going to do? The scriptures tell us. Remember what he's going to do. Look at verse 7. Behold, look, watch this. Don't miss this. He is coming with the clouds. He sang it earlier. And even, or every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so. Amen. He says, even so, let it be. It's coming. I am the Alpha and the Omega. He's the A to Z. He's the beginning and the end, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Remember what he is going to do. Look at this. He's coming again. Friends, don't miss this. We've we've entitled, subtitled this series, When Fairy Tales Come True. This is true and it's happening. And as many leaders or politicians and others want to talk about being on the right side of history, you better be on the side of the king if you want to be on the right side of history. He's coming again, friends. Make no mistake about it. And we are to be ready and we are to proclaim his love for all people that they too might be ready. Because if you're not ready, if you're not on the side of the king, The scriptures tell us that you are in trouble. And there is not hope for those who do not know him and not following after him. Look, seeing his wounds, look at this. Did you catch that phrase? It's curious. They're going to wail on account of him. What is this? I believe there's several um, commentators or, or interpretations of this phrase. I believe that it's everyone will see just how much he loves them. There's this wailing, there's this grief, but it's too late when they realize how much he loves them. But those of us who know him, we too will wail. We'll be overcome by the love of our great king, the Lamb of God who was slain for us. We'll be overwhelmed when we see him. He's coming again, and we must tell the world, get ready. And friend, if you're here today and you don't know if you're ready, don't leave this place without being ready. I'll guide us towards that. You can receive his grace even now. He's coming again. Look at what else it says here. He's making all things right. He's the first and the last. Even through loss, he is working even in our waiting. Listen, this changes how we live today. To know all of this, let me remind you what many of us know. There's a passage of Scripture in Romans 8, 28. becomes a favorite for a lot of us. We often leave out verse 29. Look at this. And we know... Everybody say, we know. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Not all things are good, but all things work together for good. Only God can do that. Only God can take the destruction of a tornado and turn it into good. Watch him do it. We are watching him do it. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those 
whom he foreknew, he also predestined, watch this, to be conformed to the image of his son. You've been saved in order to become, become conformed into the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn, there it is again, among many brothers. Jesus leading the way, we follow after him. Listen, his goal in your life is not happiness. Contrasting everything that you're going to hear this week. His goal in your life is holiness. Because that's where real joy comes from. Happiness based on circumstance. Joy comes as we conform to the image of our king. Jesus is doing this. Not only do we hold fast to the king, but we're a part of something greater than ourselves. Praise be to God. We're not the center of the world. And so look at this. Secondly, hold fast to the kingdom. But how? Well, we've seen it. By ruling on his behalf. What, what does this mean to rule? See, we are priests. Now, what does this mean? We do priestly things. What does a priest do? See, priests are intermediaries. Priests are mediators between God and this world. That's who he's made us to be. And so our prayer is always on earth. As it is in heaven, we become priests when our lives match up with the king. Wherever we go, we're bringing the kingdom. I think, of, I think of the royals, you know, when we think of the British, uh, the English royals, everywhere they go, they represent the kingdom. If they show up, they're, they're representing, they are ambassadors of the kingdom. So, so we live by ruling on his behalf. But look at this, we, we live as ambassadors. We've talked about it recently. We may be in exile, but we are ambassadors. Friends, listen, you rule at work. When you bring the kingdom of God, you serve Jesus in what you do. Uh, in my work, as it is in heaven, is a great mission statement for your workplace. Wherever I go, on earth as it is in heaven, in my family as it is in heaven, today in this conversation as it is in heaven, in my home, in my neighborhood, on my team, as it is in heaven, we're ambassadors representing the king that's what it means to be a priest and we do so by pointing people to christ we, we hold fast to the kingdom when we represent jesus i don't know if you've seen uh what took place this week kind of shocked the music world recently but kanye west dropped a new album this week i don't know if he's in your rotation or not but uh kanye west dropped a, an album that has shocked everybody because he's come to christ this is an amazing thing. And throughout his album, he's proclaiming Christ. The name, the title of the album is Christ is King. And throughout it all, Scripture, proclaiming Christ, he, he's, he's sold out. He was on Jimmy Kimmel the other night. You may have seen, I saw a clip from this, and he was interviewing him, and he said, and Jimmy said, well, now, are you then now a Christian artist? I think almost meaning like... Like, are you still, like, with us? Or are you now a Christian artist? And Kanye doubled down. I thought it was amazing. He said, I'm Christian everything. Whatever I do, I'm going to bring glory to Christ, is what he's saying. And I applaud him. And I, I cheer him on. Because he has great influence in our nation, really, around the world. That's what we do when we're priests. We point people to Jesus. And then finally, I'll close with this. 
Hold fast to hope. We hold fast to the king. Hold fast to the kingdom. We hold fast to hope. Now look at verses 9 through 11. 9 through 11. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. So see, we're all waiting, making it through the storm of this life. Was on the island called Patmos. He's in exile because of his faith. On account of the word of God is what he says and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. That would be a Sunday even then. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, this loud voice is Christ himself. Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Again, a circular trade route. Like a mail carrier would would walk this circle of cities. This is seven churches represent, yes, real historical churches, but also the whole church, the universal church, the capital C church in any era. And so I want to close with a challenge from each of these churches first to ask the question again. What do you do when you find yourself in distress, in, in opposition? What are you struggling with today? Here's the challenge for all of us. For Ephesus, return to your first love. It says in Revelation 2, 4, and 5, you've, I have this against you. You've abandoned your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works that you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place until you repent. You'll remove, I will remove my blessing on your life, your influence, until you return. Some of you needed to return today. That's what he's calling you to do. Make him first. Allow him first place in your life. In Smyrna, he says, reclaim your courage. Some of you have been fearful. Do not fear, he says, you're about to, what you're about to suffer. I love this realism in God's Word. He doesn't, he doesn't gloss over it. You're going to suffer, friends. We're going to suffer in this life. Jesus said in this life you'll have tribulations. But look at this. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. For ten days you'll have tribulation. Be faithful unto death. And I will give you the crown of life. I don't know what your next 10 days might look like. But brothers and sisters, do not be afraid. Do not fear. The king is with you. And he is victorious. Even unto death we do not fear. Look at this next one. Pergamum. Repent of compromise. Look at what it says. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold to the teaching of Balaam. Now he's referencing back to the Old Testament to a false prophet who led the people into sexual and spiritual adultery. He says, don't let it be a stumbling block. Stay true. So also you have some who hold to the teachings of Nicolaitans. Now this is uh, a reference to false teaching. Hold true to the Scriptures. You have to know the Scriptures in order not to be led astray by false teaching. And it's happening in our nation in spades. People following after a prosperity gospel that is not scriptural and biblical because we don't know the truth. In Thyatira, he says, remove false teaching. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, he says, who do not hold this teaching... 
hold to biblical teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. He says, you, you know the truth, only hold fast what you have until I come. Follow the word of God. You, 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 we, we fight against the false gospel and teaching contradictory to his word. And that is our promise here before you every single Sunday. In Sardis, he says, reject what we call cultural Christianity. Look at what he says, the angel of the church in Sardis. The words of him who has the seven spirits, the Holy Spirit of God, the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. This may be the worst of all of the prophecies towards one of the churches. You have a wonderful reputation. You think you're all good. People are telling you that you're great, but I know your motives, he says, and they're not pure. I know that you're not alive in the Spirit. Friends, how do you know? What is the fruit of your life? What do you see as fruit in your life? And to Philadelphia, he says, remain faithful. This is the one church that he truly affirms. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Here is a people who knew they were desperate for God. And, and they laid their, themselves before him, and he empowered them, and he opened doors for them. His favor was upon them because they were humble before him. And don't miss this. It's the church that's called the church of brotherly love they're marked by love I've seen that praise be to God in our church this week thank you church family we are a people who love others and we love all people and especially those in need and then finally Laodicea he says reorder your priorities reorder your priorities Laodicea was an affluent church they seem to have it all together for you say I am rich Notice their self-proclamation. I have prospered and I need nothing. Not realizing God's proclamation on them was this, that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. What a contrast. We're so self-deceived. We need God's Word to reveal to us who we really are and to humble ourselves before Him. Friends, we have been blessed as a church only to be a blessing to be a conduit of blessing. So this week I've thought a lot about this as I close. What would Jesus say to us? I think he'd say something like this, Park Cities, rediscover your power and your purpose. Your power is found in the, in, in the Spirit of God, the seven spirits, the whole Holy Spirit of God. It's not found in our affluence. It's not found in our education, in our past, in our buildings, in our programs. I've thought more than once about our own campus. If it were wiped out this week, would we still be the church that he's called us to be? I believe we would. I believe we would be because God's Spirit is upon us, every person here, to be a light and to go forth into the world. Yesterday, I saw it again. I had all of this in my mind, and yesterday morning I was serving alongside uh, members of the Primary Iglesia Bautista, members from our church, and we were cleaning up and working through the day, and I saw this 
this picture. I want you to see a picture of the church itself. This is the sanctuary, friends. The walls, the ceiling are gone, disappeared. And this is the platform. If you look close enough, we're going to zoom in on what was on the wall. Through the destruction was the word hope. As we were clearing it out, we gathered those four letters together so that Ricardo could hang on to hope. Friends, listen, whatever you're walking through in this life, as we long and wait for our Savior to come, we hold fast to the King. We know who He is. We know what He's done. We know what He's going to do. We hold fast to the kingdom. We are ambassadors for Him until He comes again. And we hold fast to hope. Because Jesus has given us all that we need to trust Him in our distress. But we are not despairing. We live with faith. Whom will you trust? Let's pray together as we close. Friend, I want you to just think about your own life now. Will you trust Him? What do you need to do? And how will you place your trust in Him? If you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Savior, now is the time to give your life to Him. Scriptures tell us that He could come any moment, and I believe when He comes again, it's closing time. Game over. Receive His grace now. Ask Him to come into your heart. Lord, I have sinned against you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. So let that be the prayer of your heart. I receive your grace right now by faith. Friend, whatever you're walking through, give your life to Him again. Give your life anew to Him. Trust Him with all that He has given to you, all that He's done for you. Lord, we love you. We give you our lives. We praise you for being the King who was, who is, and who is to come. In your name we pray. Amen.